At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to the Commonwealth Matters. Welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson. Thank you so much for joining us on this edition of the program. I want to share a um, personal story. Uh, last week, I was invited to speak to a group of pastors that I, I know in uh, Western Kentucky. The, the organizer of this was considered a pastor to pastors, a dear man, a godly man who pastored a church uh, in Owensboro for some 30 years. And he started a pastor's fellowship to minister to the other pastors. They'd get together once a month to fellowship, to encourage one another, to get into the word. <clears throat> and it's a group I've spoken to before. And uh, he invited me to speak uh, recently. And when I got to the church, Ron, uh, he, um, he, he wasn't there. I was texting him, but one of the other pastors of the church said, hey, I need to talk to you. Some other people were coming down the hall to me towards us. And he said, I want you all to come in here and hear this as well. And he said, uh, Pastor Ted had a sudden uh, massive heart attack and died suddenly this morning. And when you go into a meeting like that, preparing to share your heart and to share with a brother and other brothers, and then you hear news like that, that's gripping. I was, I was in a little bit of shock. Takes I the air free. right out of you, doesn't Takes, it? Sure. It's like sure. a gut like, punch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gut punch. And, and uh, Ron, I've been processing through that and, and thinking through that. And we're going to talk this morning about a couple things. One is grief. Um, how do we process grief? But also the testimony that we leave behind. Mm-hmm. And Pastor Ted uh, leaves behind an incredible testimony. But with me on the program is uh, Ron Hicks, and Ron and I are going to be talking about uh, about this tough issue. And Ron, you have uh, you've you've dealt with grief over the years. You've dealt with families who've lost loved ones. You've dealt with tragic circumstances. I know you're a you're a chaplain to the local uh, police force uh, in Hopkinsville, and you've seen some some things that most people never have to deal mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. But how do we, as, as Christians, I want to look at how do we respond to grief when we lose a loved one? What is, what is the Christian response? Well, you know, one of the things that I tell people right off the bat is there's always one family member that will say, I'm just trying to be strong for everybody. And, and I understand what they mean, but, but what they're, what they're, what they're saying is I don't want to show any emotion. Uh, And, and sometimes people think, well, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm not supposed to be sad. I'm not supposed to. Well, that that's crazy. Of course, it we can crazy. be sad. We're emotional creatures. Absolutely. I mean, God gives us emotions. He gives us sadness. He gives us grief, yes. and those are natural, perfectly healthy things. And I that. share in Ecclesiastes chapter three. It talks about there's a season. There's a time for everything under heaven. There's a time for mourning, and there's yeah. a time for tears. There is a time of sadness. And so, but the the difference is, we don't grieve as other people oh. grieve, as lost people grieve. Yeah. 
we grieve because the one that we love, your friend, it's confidant, this mentor, you yeah. grieve because his physical presence is no longer in your physical yeah. presence. You can't pick up the phone. You can't call him. You can't seek his counsel. However, you know that he's waiting for you in, in his heavenly kingdom and uh, in God's heavenly kingdom. And and uh, and one day you will be reunited. But yeah. but then you will have all wisdom and all knowledge because it's going to come from Christ. And so you, you hit something very important that without Christ and without um, God in our lives, there's no hope for eternity. We don't people don't know where they're going or they think that this life is all there is and that's it. But as followers of Jesus, we know that he's gone to prepare a place for us. Mm-hmm. And in his father's house, and our father's house, there are many mansions. And he's preparing a room for us, a place to stay. And one of and, my favorite verses in Scripture, one of phrases, is when he says, If it were not so, I would have told you. That's how, this is great love. I'm not going to yeah. lie to you. If it weren't so, I wouldn't tell you it was so. But it is so. That's what I'm telling you. So we have a hope that we have a Savior that's now. preparing a place for Ooh. us. And we get to see our loved yes. ones, our friends, our mentors. Mm-hmm. Someday there will be a grand reunion. Mm-hmm. And that's the hope that we have. We don't grieve, as you said, as the world grieves. No. But we have a hope. And yet it still hurts. Yeah. I mean, my, oh, I'm no. still grieving. Yeah, sure. As I do this program, yeah. I'm thinking of, of the times I've been with this brother, mm-hmm. how he has spoken into my life. The example that mm-hmm. he has is left for many of us, and we're going to yeah. get into the next segment and talk about an incredible testimony yeah. that he left behind. But I'm still hurting. Ron. Sure. How do you process through grief? There are listeners right now that are grieving. Absolutely. How do you, what what is well, the healthy you know way? You know what? I tell you this. Uh, my my mom passed away from cancer several years ago, um, and, and I, I am in ministry because of my mom's prayers for me, uh, my grandmother's prayers for me. Um, and my mom uh, w- was literally ran a marathon down in Disneyland, had developed a cough, uh, went to the doctor. They found a, a, a baseball-sized tumor in her lung, removed half of her lung. Doctor said, you're good to go. Um, a little bit later on, discovered it. It was actually back in her body. Uh, a fit, intelligent woman lost her sight, lost her memory, lost her her physique, lost her hair. Mm. Um, it was a rapid, well, I say rapid, about a two and a half year process mm. from completely healthy running a marathon to where we, we buried her. And I had the honor of preaching her funeral. Yeah. Um, I learned in a way I didn't understand before that I could truly do all things through Christ to give me strength. I was able to stand and minister to my father yeah. who was, we snuck out of the hospital. He had open heart surgery. Oh, wow. um, uh, and to my brothers and sisters. And so in my grief, I relied on the truth of God's word and I was able to minister and I didn't stand up in front of the audience just as a blubbering, you know, uh, mm-hmm. I feel, and I'm an emotional guy. Yeah. And so yeah. God's like, Ron, if you'll get out of the way. Um, and so, yeah. so, yeah. so, so this was your mom. That's my oh, mom. This yeah. is the mother, the woman who raised you yes. and poured her life into mm-hmm. you and and to see her wither away like that from cancer, it was that tough. must have been. It, must it have was, been. and and I I had to ask God. I said, God, you know, why? Uh, but behind the scenes, because my mom got cancer, she and my wife become became best friends. Um, uh, my family was was restored. Some brokenness and dysfunction was fixed. My mom literally said to me, uh, that you know, my family calls me Ronnie. She said, Ronnie, um, as I've seen God working. I'm glad that I got cancer because of every good wow. that's happened. The wow. night before she died, we were singing Amazing Grace, wow. How Sweet the Sound, the Saved a Wretch Like Me. Uh, less than 24 hours, she was gone. Ten months later, my dad passed away of a heart attack. Mm. Seventy-something years old, I preached his funeral. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
But well, I saw my father at my mom's funeral. We snuck him out of the hospital. He had had literally his chest was was wired together. Uh, my mom and dad's favorite song is "Victory in Jesus." It was mm. mine. The very last stanza. When I was a boy, I used to play that on my tr- on the trumpet as the choir would march in from the back singing. Yeah. And every Sunday they start with a song. So my mom and I had talked about her funeral service. She asked me if I would play that on my trumpet as I did as a child, and so. I said, I can't play the whole song, but on the very last stanza, I'll join the, the pianist and, and the congregation. It was like a church service. I saw my father was unable to stand, but as, and I'm getting goosebumps now, um, as we were singing that final verse and I played it on my trumpet, I saw my father raise his hands in worship at his bride of 50 something years at her, at her homegoing service. Wow. My father was praising God. Wow. So he showed me that's how a godly man grieves. And Ron, that's, I appreciate you sharing that, but that is a testimony that death does not have the final that's word, right. that grave does not have the mm-hmm. final victory. Mm-hmm. But those who are in Christ have a hope, yeah. and there's a joy that we can't explain. There's mm-hmm. real pain and there's real grief. Yeah. We can't dismiss that. It still hurts. But there is a hope there yeah. that we have that the world doesn't have. And my that's prayer right. for, the, for the listeners is that they would grasp onto that. If you don't mm-hmm. know Christ, turn to him, seek him. Let him carry your burdens. Uh, he gives you hope. He gives you a new life. Yeah. And someday when you're in Christ, you can look forward to seeing him and seeing your loved ones who are in Christ as well. We're at a hard break here. Uh, stick with us. You're listening to The Commonwealth Matters. We'll be back in just a minute. At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit commonwealthmatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to The Commonwealth Matters. Three, two, one. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. And on this edition of the program, I'm with Ron Hicks, and we are talking about grief and hope, and for Christians, uh, that there is something beyond this life, that for those who are in Christ, uh, death does not have the final Mm -hmm. word, the grave does not have the final victory, but there is a hope beyond this world. Absolutely. And and as I was talking about my mom and my dad and and the the legacy that they left, your, your friend... Um, also left a very powerful legacy, and and uh, somebody who um, who he had had dealings with actually uh, published uh, posted a tribute to him, um, and I think I think our our readers need need to hear this. Here's this pastor, very conservative, yeah. Yeah. Um, but but share how he shared the love of Christ with somebody. Yeah. So so we're getting to this point because if we think of the testimony we leave behind, mm-hmm. we think of the people that we touch. Well, this pastor friend who was really a, a mentor to me in many ways um, touched so many people. And as I was reading some of the Facebook posts, I came across one that really struck a nerve. And mm-hmm. it's somebody who identified in the LGBT community. And I wanted to, to read a good part of it. And he said this. Now, bear with me. It's a little lengthy, but it's worth listening to. Oh, absolutely. He said, in 2005, I nearly lost hope of finding useful answers to life's most difficult problems from the Bible. I'd been hurt deeply by Christians, and my own foolishness compounded the pain. And then my world fell apart when I discovered my boyfriend hanging from a rope in his bedroom. So he, at that point, identified as a homosexual. 
And was actively engaged in a Actively in a engaged in that right. relationship. Oh. He goes on to say this. Suddenly the cacophony of judgmental voices in the pews went silent. Is not a single Christian outside my family reached out to offer their condolences? No doubt concerned that doing so would somehow communicate approval of my lifestyle. With one exception. Head Christman immediately placed a call nearly faster than my own mother could reach my side. My parents had begun, begun attending Heritage Baptist Church only a few years prior, and I'd only met Pastor Ted briefly a couple times when visiting my family. But on that day, he showed me compassion, saying, I'm so sorry you're going through this. Losing a partner or spouse is one of the greatest pains a person can face, and I'm sure that with the exponential increase in intensity that comes with it being a suicide, you probably feel like the world is a very unfamiliar place right now. He continued to say, the great thing is that in times of uncertainty, we can anchor our lives in the one who never changes, who has promised to guide us. Then he told this man, although I live hundreds of miles away, the church in Owensboro loved his parents so that he continued to be part of his, or he considered him to be part of his church's family. Now Mm -hmm, keep in mind, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this was a homosexual man practicing Mm -hmm. homosexuality where the pastor of a very conservative church does not believe in homosexuality or same-sex relationships was willing to step outside of his comfort zone because he saw a man grieving, he saw a man in pain, he saw a man dealing with loss, and yet he stepped outside of that conservative church to show God's love to him. He goes on to say in his tribute to Pastor Ted, then before he said goodbye, he prayed for me, his voice full of emotion, breaking his he identified with me and genuinely shared my pain, There was no confusion where he stood from what his understanding of Scripture taught, but he knew that in that moment I needed love and compassion, and he sent it from a place that I nearly had given up hope I would ever find such love. And in the 13 years since, Pastor Ted demonstrated that love, not in teeth-clenched, awkward way that so many Christians show to gay people when they cannot avoid interaction with them. Rather, with him it was reflexive, instinctive, built on a life so overflowing with love that he would reach out to the untouchables, heedless of what anyone else might say or think. He allowed me space to work through difficult issues of faith and sexuality without assuming I was merely a rebel looking, looking to justify what I wanted to do. And then last year, when I moved to Owensboro to care for my grandmother in her last days, Pastor Ted spent so much time with my family, yes, beyond that, when nobody else was watching, he visited me and my grandmother in the hospital at night and in his office when I needed a break from the hospital. And in every way, he shepherded me and my family as we said goodbye to my grandmother. I'm going to leave it there. There's more to the testimony. But, Ron, I needed to share this because this is the embodiment of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is a pastor, very respected pastor of a conservative church that took a dare, a, a risk, if you will, stepped out of his comfort zone to reach out to somebody who was practicing homosexuality. Well, Richard, I would say, I would say not, not, to, not to nitpick, I, I would say he didn't step out of his comfort zone. That that was his lane. Yeah. The 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 discomfort came with somebody's acceptance of a lifestyle that is clearly unbiblical. But but you're describing a man whose comfort zone was to comfort those who were in pain, to to be able to not look at a person's sin, but look at their at their situation, look at them as as a person. So that was certainly his comfort area. 
sometimes people will look at others and they'll judge them without knowing them. You know, you see a, a person that's hurt, you, you don't look to check the color of their skin or, or, or their citizenship or whatever. It's a hurt yeah. person that needs to be ministered to. But, but Ron, and the reason I said comforts, and I, your point is well taken, right, right. by the way. You're mm-hmm. a pastor, mm-hmm. and you're a pretty daring guy, though. <laughs> I mean, you, you don't have any boundaries or limits when it comes to reaching people. And, and for the listeners that don't know Ron, he does that. I mean, you pick up homeless people, you bring them into the church, you clean them up, and I'm, I'm saying that not to put the spotlight on you, but I don't see that hope happening a whole lot. Just like with Pastor Ted, I don't see a whole lot of pastors reaching out to practicing homosexuals and trying to befriend them and being there in their time of grief and loss. And maybe it's his maturity. Maybe it was his walk with the Lord that let him do that. But my heart is breaking right now as I think of this because there are people in the LGBT community struggling. I mean, my goodness, Ron, I can't identify with that. I'm married 28 years. You're married. You Mm -hmm. have kids. I have kids. I don't have that. We're both grandfathers. We're both grandfathers. That's right. We don't identify with that sin. We have our own stuff. We're not perfect. We're not casting stones. But it it is one of those taboos or one of those untouchable sins that those in the conservative church, they're not going to go there. And when I see examples like this, when I see somebody willing to put everything uh, on the sidelines, his reputation, people might talk about him or whatever, He's willing to go and reach that one to befriend them. Remember, I can't, I, it's hard for me to get a hold of that. <laughs> remember when when Jesus was was um, calling his disciples, and there was a, a man by the name of Matthew that was a tax collector, and he just simply walked by, and the scriptures only record him saying, "Come and follow me." And Matthew immediately got up and left. And the very first thing that Matthew did was through a party, and he invited all of his friends. And uh, it's, it seemed from the text that Matthew was used to throwing parties. And so when he invited his friends, his friends thought that, uh, that uh, I, I assume that it was a party like, like any other. And so he invited friends that liked to party as he partied. I'm sure alcohol was flowing. I'm sure there was, there was all kind of debauchery that was going on. But, but the difference was Matthew invited Jesus. And, and uh, there were watchers who said, oh, we can't believe what's happening um, look at look at look at who he's hanging out with. You remember the line: "He eats with tax collectors yeah, and sinners." And sinners, <laughs> yes. Um, and they, the religious people, were outside the house, peering in through the window. And instead of being, a con, instead of feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit, saying, "I should have been ministering to these people all along," they chastised Jesus for reaching out to those folks. They thought that they were, uh, and they didn't even understand the scriptures. And so it's easy for us to stand at the window and look out into the world and say, oh, what a wicked, evil place it is. But the only hope is the gospel. You know, the, the Romans says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of salvation. And so if we limit who we share the gospel with, we're no better than the Pharisees peering out the window. Hi, this is Richard Nelson with the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, and I want to thank you for listening to the Commonwealth Matters. Our goal is to help you better understand the important issues of the day, the issues of life, marriage, and religious liberty. But that isn't all we do. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is working to educate legislators and policymakers about these bedrock values so they can defend them while serving in Frankfurt. We are in regular conversations with state leaders on both sides of the aisle, encouraging them to uphold what Kentuckians like you value. But we need your help. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit group 
that only exists by the grace of God and the generosity of its donors. Would you consider a donation today to the Commonwealth Policy Foundation so that our work might continue? Please visit our website at commonwealthpolicyfoundation.org. There you'll find some easy ways you can help us accomplish this important work. Again, go to commonwealthpolicyfoundation.org and consider a gift today. And thanks in advance for any help you can offer. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson, here with my good friend, Ron Hicks. And we are talking about grief and hope and the testimony we leave behind and also reaching out to those who aren't like us. Yeah. Uh, Pastor Ted Christman was a man, godly man, who cared deeply for people. And he was willing to leave his comfort zone to reach people who weren't like him, those in the LGBT community mm-hmm. uh, that we just talked about in the last segment. But, uh, Ron, how do we distill this into a practical way? How, do, how does this apply to our lives? You know, we're, hey, human nature is such that um, we don't want to step out of a comfort zone. Right. We want to protect ourselves. We want to be safe. Sure. We don't want to put ourselves in uncomfortable or dangerous circumstances. Probably uncomfortable is a better way to put mm-hmm. it. But how do Christians who follow Jesus and want to serve him, how do we apply this, some of the things that we've talked about? How do we, and I guess what I'm most interested in is how do we step out of our comfort zone or out of our realm, whatever. And that's a, that's a great question. And and I, you know, the, 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 the the Bible gives us news we can use. That's, (laughs) that's the great thing about the Bible is it's not ancient writing that just took place years and years ago. That's no longer relevant. You know, the, the Bible says God is love. And then Paul writes to the church in Corinth and he says, this is what love looks like. Um, love is patient. Love is kind. Love yeah. keeps no records of wrongs. And, and so it tells us that God is love. And then it gives us not an exhaustive list, but it gives us a list, a snapshot of this is what look, love looks like in an everyday practical sort of a sense. And so your friend, this, this pastor, this mentor, he, he is the, to the best of his ability, modeled that. Now, he wasn't a perfect man because nobody's perfect, but he modeled that. And, and so, listeners today, you have friends, you have acquaintances, you may even have enemies that have wronged you, that have maligned yeah. you, that have talked maliciously about you. As I'm thinking about that, a mind, I mean, a, a face is entering my mind of somebody who's treated me wrongly in just the last few days, and I've really been struggling with that. Um, but, but, uh, but, but we need to think if we, are, if we are being transformed into God's image, then the attributes of love, which are mentioned in, in 1 Corinthians 13, it, those have to become, you know, old things pass away, all things become new. It's a process. Those things have to become a part of our daily life. You know, one of the things, and that's, that's great. You're, I think you're right on target. One of the things I'm challenged by, though, is to be loving towards people who aren't like me. I think of somebody. Or be loving to people who don't like you. Or to people who don't like me, right. (laughs) Not not, not like you. So those in the lower socioeconomic class, those in the LGBT community, those who, uh, I don't know, far left politically. Mm -hmm. But um, that challenges me. And why do I say this? Well, because Jesus uh, loved me Mm -hmm. while I was at war with him. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Sure. And he pursued me. He loved me even though I didn't love him back. Well, and I think I, there's, a, there's, a, there's a fear with a lot of Christians that they think that if they befriend somebody, that they're, they're somehow uh, condoning what they do. Yeah. I, Jesus just was very plain. Oh, let's, don't sin. Let's don't do this sin. Yeah. You know, I, I, I love you. He was hopelessly and helplessly in love with us to the point he put on flesh and blood to come and get us because yeah. love requires action. It requires that. 
And so if we see somebody engage in activity that we know is wrong, love requires you to go after Let's them. Let's unpack that. Okay, right. so that's a broad statement. Okay. I don't disagree with it. Okay. But how do you, in a way that doesn't step on toes and mm-hmm. just offend somebody, okay. how do you start that conversation? If there's somebody that's in sin, you want them to see your love and concern first, mm-hmm. but how do you open that up? To, to I'll not tell you give how I the... start. Okay. I'm gonna, I, I, I'm gonna, I, I had a guy who I've shared this story. I'll set it up. He was a preoperative transsexual. He was a six foot four former football player uh, oh. coach. Uh, wore his hair like a woman had on makeup, was wearing men's clothes, carrying a purse. Oh. So he was in the midst of tr- uh, massive doses of estrogen, and so he was preoperative transsexual, identified as a woman. Uh, I said, I said, hey, brother. Um, uh, and then I realized even by saying, I call everybody brother and sister. Yeah. I said, hey, brother. Yeah. Um, and he said, well, I'm, I don't want to be identified as that. I said, okay. I said, let me buy you lunch. I'd love to hear your story. Yeah. And yeah. he said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, everybody's got a story. I'd love to hear yours. Yeah. And yeah. he began to tell me, his own version of his own story. I've been to every church in in, in the town that that we lived. I've, I've been in every church, and every single church has told me what's wrong with me. Yeah. Every single religion has told me what's wrong with me. Yeah. And I said, "Do you mind if I share? I, I'm going to tell you a story about the biggest wretch I've ever met." And I just shared my testimony. Yeah. And I said, "If God could love a wretch like me, if God could forgive a wretch like me, if yeah. God could transform a wretch like me, there's no telling what He's going to be able to do in your life and the life of other people." I think if we allow ourselves to be transparent, and we don't have to have been axe murderers and drug dealers and alcoholics and all the rest of that, we could be a defiant nine-year-old that refused to obey their parents. And we broke the command to honor your mother and father so you live long upon the land. We could be prideful. We could be arrogant. We yeah. could be lovers of, of evil. We, we, you know, the root of all evil is the love of money. We could desire power and prestige. And we can be set free from that. So if we share our own story and say, if God yeah. could deliver me, there's no telling what he's going to be able to do in your life. I love that, Ron, because telling your own story, you know it better than anybody. You're not telling somebody how to think mm-hmm. or what to do. You're just no. being open and transparent. And, you're and there's saying, no arguing there. You can't say, uh-uh. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 it's my story. <laughs> That's, true. That's right. But, but when we do that, we're showing, number one, we care enough about somebody else to tell them about us. Because you're being a little vulnerable. Hey, this is me. and This is what I went through. But you're also... Um, uh, you're allowing God to work through that conversation. It's not just you pointing to the other person. You're not, hey, like this transsexual mm-hmm. that you knew. Mm-hmm. He was told what was wrong with him mm-hmm. and how he had to get fixed. Mm-hmm. Telling your story is is opening up yourself and being vulnerable, but it's allowing God to work through you in a way because you're connecting at a deeper level. And I think an, an important element is a, in this is to have humility, to have empathy towards the other person, to identify with them, even though their sin might not be the same thing. We're both sinners. We're all sinners. Uh, we're not better than any no. one person. The only thing different is that we have a Savior who saved us. Well, and, and that's a great point because if if I share my story and allow him or her to share her story, Christ did not think it beneath him to step down from his throne and enter into his creation. And the reason he did that is to tell us God's story. Yeah. And to be able to say, watch my story. Yeah. He, he, he didn't say, I'm so holy, I can't enter my creation. He said, despite my holiness, I'm going to enter into my creation because love requires rescues. Lifeguards don't sit at the stand and say, swim to me, swim to yeah. me. They yeah. jump off the stand and swim into the deep end because that's where rescues take place, in the right. deep end. That's what Christ did, and that's what we're called to do. 
that's a good word. Hey, I wish we had more time to talk. We could go on and on and talk about this. But, um, Ron, I appreciate you joining us here on the— What was your pastor's uh, friend's name again? What was his name? Ted Christman. Ted Christman. Yeah. Well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what he heard and, when he entered. And I think he yes. did. I think the testimonies on social media are just amazing. And my prayer is that I will leave behind a testimony like that where people have been touched from, from me and my life. And same with you, brother. For God's honor and God's glory, not ours, right? Amen. 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 Good word. God bless you.